if you want a bite of this apple, you better finish. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's so dirty. It's so dirty. I didn't think anything could be higher than my standards. But then the edible kicked in. Boy, does that fit the theme of The Real Housewives of New York. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode four something. I really couldn't tell you. But what I can tell you is how excited I am for this app. Let me introduce this special guest friend of Andy's Girls because we've taken a journey over the course of the last week and certainly over the course of last night's New York City premiere. You know her as writer producer, host of the podcast Pot Psychology, and owner-proprietor of PipeDreams.Fun. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Tracy Morrissey. Tracy, how are we? Oh, thank you. I'm great. I'm, I'm pretty good. It's, you know, it's after work. It's after hours. Mm. So um, I'm fine. Well, I have been sleeping on and off throughout the day because I have been dealing with some Tom situation, et cetera, whatnot. So I am fully Tom? Not like Tom, like Tom, Tom, like my Tom. Not, okay. not, it's, not, it's not about Tom. <laughs> it's, not about Tom. <laughs> it's about Tom. It's about Tom. Um, so I am full. I feel like I am a little high right now because my body has okay. lost its mind, which feels like a pretty good thematic fit considering you and I went to the New York premiere together and I got higher there than I have been in a very long maybe ever I was so <laughs> fucking high for a full 24 hours Tracy Morrissey like literally was, until the next night how much did you night. eat of that edible I had half of it oh yeah I mean it I had a whole one I was wrecked and I only had two glasses of wine, but I haven't drank mm -hmm. since um, May 3rd because I just haven't I just haven't been drinking. Not any like real reason. It just hasn't. Um, I don't know. I guess like I just don't like being hung over anymore. And I remembered why, because I got super hung over the next day, even though I only had two glasses, two and a half glasses of champagne, maybe. And that edible, which was pretty heavy duty. And the I will say the champagne glasses that they had at the Rainbow Room, they were they were sizable. They weren't like toasting flutes, you know? They were they were real. They were Dorit approved kind of real <laughs> champagne glasses. <laughs> One hundred I think she would have I think Dorit would have absolutely approved the stemware and also that form of champs because I just it was delicious, but then at a certain point mm -hmm. I was like I, I remember saying uh, to someone after, like, oh, I don't think the edible kicked in. And they looked at me and they were like, I think it did. And at some point, <laughs> at some point after that, I, for I forgot how to walk. I, at one point, I think I was yeah. walking sideways. I mean, it was like nuts. It was nutsville. Well, they were they were sativa. So they're not like the kind that make you like chill or the kind that make you like, ah, you know. Uh, OK, I should have maybe asked. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely did not. I was like, yes. Well, I, you know, I didn't know until after. I didn't know. I actually didn't know until after. Because I can, I can just tell by the way that it made me feel. I was, I was like wild. I was like being super talkative for being stoned. 
like going up to people I had no idea who they were. Tony Danza's <laughs> girlfriend. She was actually really nice. <laughs> Tony Danza was truly America's sweetheart at that event. He was delightful. I thought he looked great. Yeah, mm-hmm. he looked great. Is he a fan of the show? I don't re- Oh, I remember. He was there because he's friends with, or not, I guess friends with, but his former producer on his talk show, Liza, is one of Andy's really, really good friends. So she okay. invited, I think she also maybe like worked on Bravo Productions, I forget. So she invited him. So that's how okay. he found himself there. I don't, I don't even think I asked him like, do you, have you ever seen a single Bravo show? His girlfriend told me he, he dips in and out. Oh, does he dip? Yeah. Oh, we love a yeah, dipper. Yeah, seems like it. <laughs> well, there's like, there are totally guys that are like that. Like, they'll come up to the TV and then they'll like, you can tell they're interested and they like, they get kind of like brought in and then a commercial happens and then they walk away. But then when the TV, when it's back on, they're like, so what, what did she, what did she say? It's, it's like, they, it, it appeals to everyone. It does. And I feel like it's that very appeal that sometimes people, especially I think some men, find uh, they have to like death protest too much. Like there's Mm -hmm. the idea that they're not supposed to enjoy this or find this interesting or entertaining. And it's so delightful to understand and recognize that that is really be I think there is some sort of precedent that was set at whatever point in time where people felt comfortable talking about the fact that they love Bravo, which like we yeah. love that. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. I, I I actually never really noticed or felt that way until the first Bravo con. And then I was like, um, like, oh, wow, there's like people like me <laughs> in this world. <laughs> it was so easy to make friends there. Did you feel that vibe at the premiere party as well? Or was it because it was like t- certainly a different kind of audience or in attendance rather? Yeah, it was a little bit more reserved. I didn't feel that people were as excited, but I think that's because it was New Yorkers. It was a room of New Yorkers and no one really like acts like that, even when they are <laughs> like, you know, because like, you know, you see a famous person on the street all the time. You don't like run up to them or you're not like, you know, immediately talking about you know, whatever they've last done, it's, you get kind of used to it. Uh, so it wasn't, it, so there wasn't like that sort of like buzz that's in the air, you know, at like a Bravo con or like a Luann's cabaret or something. That is such a good and interesting point because how many times have we walked by like genuine celebrities? Like I walked by Christian Bale the other day. You don't get a second look from me. I pretend not to see you. It's like when it's a celebrity in the street, it's truly the invisible man. Like because there is a certain feeling amongst many New Yorkers and certainly New Yorkers who've been here at a certain point where it's like, Listen, first off, like we're equal right now. We're walking on the same sidewalk and I'm not going to pretend you're better than me because because <laughs> maybe I don't think that you are like there is that idea. But I do think and I have thought this for a while. There has been an exception to the rule that I've seen, in- including from famous or like sassafras cool New Yorkers, which is meeting a Bravo lab in the wild. I mm. do think that's yeah. the main exception. I won't go up to a celebrity unless I have some sort of relationship or connection or something to like genuinely say versus a Bravo lab. I will always choose (laughs) 
to the problem. I do not care where it is. I do not care. I feel like every time I've seen someone, like, other than if I was at, like, Watch What Happens Live or something in the bathroom, every time I've seen a Bravo celebrity, I have not spoken to them. Like, I've (gasps) just been too starstruck. One time I was in line at Dwayne Reed behind Dorinda, and uh, it was, like, (laughs) on the Upper East Side. And it was, like, very – she was maybe – maybe it was, like, her second season. This was, like, a long-ass time ago. Uh, and I just couldn't, I was just like, oh my God, I don't even think I took a picture of her hair, like the back of her head, but I was very excited. Is there a certain, um, Bravo lab who you would, um, like really truly lose your shit to meet? Like, do you have a bucket list introduction of anyone from any franchise or any part of the Bravo universe who you truly would be like, I would love to like sit down with this person or connect in whatever way I decide. Uh, I think maybe just like Teresa only because she seems so unattainable. Like she's like a little bit inaccessible. You know what I mean? Like she's kind of like, you know, I could see any of the New York women on the street at any on any given day. I've seen Kelly Ben Simone running in the middle of the street (laughs) several times in Soho. Uh, but um, Teresa, there's just, and I've met most of the New New Jersey wives actually. But Teresa is just, I don't know. She's just maybe like, uh, like God tier. She's just like a little bit higher. <laughs> I think you're right. I actually do agree. I think she's definitely one of the more inaccessible housewives. I do also think like she seems to have created a little bit of a boundary for herself, or just like. There's a little bit of a line in the road that I think has always kind of been there where she separates the world of Bravo from her true internal life where she has like her group of friends and everything else and her daughters and all of that stuff. Like I really do think that she and she doesn't do podcasts, even though she now has one like she doesn't do. Someone once told me the only way she's going to like show up for for whatever if it is if it's a paid event, which honestly good for her. And or if she, it's Dolores's charity, or if it's Dolores's <laughs> charity, which is coming up, it's coming next up. Month. It, I, the tickets on sale yet? God, I swear I thought I saw one someone from Jersey doing some sort of social media about it. I think it could have been Frank. Okay. So they, I know that they're starting to promote it. Dolores is doing the softball game or whatever it is that we've seen filmed for previous seasons and allegedly it's going to be filmed for um the upcoming season now that casting has been settled what are your thoughts on tree and melissa both staying oh god i just like we can't like just like circle the drain like we can't just like keep doing that it's so annoying um like i just can't i just can't do that again I can't it's so boring it's like juice Lucy Lucy apple juicy or whatever it's like shut up about it I'm, I've had it um it would be interesting though if they're just gonna be if they're just gonna go ahead and just be completely outwardly hostile to each other because they both will show up to any event I bet mm. like they're not gonna be avoiding each other it's it's different with them it's like not like you know Uh, Like, I'm sure that, like, in Vanderpump Rules or whatever, I'm sure there's going to be people uh, avoiding Raquel, who's now being called Rachel again, Um, apparently, like, word on the street. Right. 
she reclaimed it. Good she for did. Her. I know, yeah. But I can imagine those girls, like, you know, avoiding, or at least Ariana, like, avoiding her. But Teresa and, and Melissa are showing up for the check. And they're going to they're gonna do what they need to do. And it'll be interesting, I guess, to see what the fuck else they're going to talk about <laughs> other than hating each other from stupid shit from 10 years ago. 20. Totally. And I think at a certain point, too, so there are sometimes experiences or moments where, like, there can be a mutual recognition that you and the other person hate each other. And it's like at that point, it actually releases some of the tension in the room because it's like, oh, okay, we both hate each other. We don't have to pretend anymore. They might be able to, I know this sounds insane, but like they might be able to get along better from an outwardly exterior sense, external sense, because they both recognize that like, I don't they're not really pretending. give a shit about you. Right. Cause they're not pretending anymore. That might actually alleviate Help some it. of the tension. I just don't know. I don't know if the men are going to fuck all of this up, but I mean, there's more than enough. I'm so sick of Joe Gorga. I am so sick of Joe Gorga. Um, but, and the thing is, as much as I dislike Louie, he's drama. So I'm interested <laughs> in it. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I mean, you can't, we can't lose Louis at this point. You know what I mean? Like he just, he brought, he, he made that reunion worth watching. I mean, I'm just, I'm very interested to see how that's going to pan out with like John Fuda and all that stuff. I, it's a good cast though. I think it's a good cast. I do think it's a good cast. I also think it's in Louis and Teresa's best interest to minimize his time on camera, which is an almost impossible exercise when you're on New Jersey because the spouses are more important on New Jersey than arguably any other franchise. So that might be tough for for them, but I'm sure we'll see some sort of calculation take place in front of the camera. But listen, speaking of cameras, as New Yorkers... I have to say, a new beginning has begun here in New York City. And, you know, what is your reaction? What was your reaction to the initial announcement on Variety that New York would be splitting? And do you feel the same way now that you did then? Um, I, well, here's the thing is that New York didn't split. Like they didn't, they're not doing a legacy thing. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, they're doing Ultimate Girls Trip, which is fine. But I, I want to see maybe, I want to see a regular thing of those old broads. I, I don't care. I don't care if they're racist. They, I, you know, I kind of knew that going into it first season. They're like, you know, they're, you're not, it's going to be, you're going to be, it, you're going to be hard pressed to find an altruistic rich bitch on the Upper East Side. You're, they're just, the, it's a type, it's a type of person. They exist, like these racist old white ladies. Uh, well, really, Ramona is probably really the only, well, Sonia's had her issues, right? Like, Sonia said some really like bunk shit before. Like, uh, I remember when George, who was it, Aviva's father's girlfriend mm. came over and like, and was like talking to Sonia in their backyard and Sonia was like, oh, people are going to think that I'm buying drugs from you. My neighbors are going to think I'm buying drugs, which was just a really weird thing to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? That being said, uh, I did I did like 
I did like their their chemistry together as a group and how they fuck all the same guys and all that stuff. And I'd been invested for so long, you know, that I still want to like know what they're up to. But I have to say they did it. They really knocked it out of the park casting this this new season. Were you thinking that do you think that the premiere lived up to your expectations? Like, did you have a high expectation of how the season would go, let alone start? No, I was told by an insider to manage my expectations about New York. So that's what I've been doing. So, uh, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. I really liked it. And manage your expectations. Do you think that was because they felt like this was going to be kind of a flop or they were setting it based on like, we're so used to crazy drama and drunkenness and like turtle time plus, plus, plus that this new environment and atmosphere would feel like a letdown? I think that uh, they well the the context in which I was told this uh was in regards to three new shows that were coming out. So it was New York, uh, Orange County, and Crappy Lake. Mm. And uh, I was told that Crappy Lake is hilarious, which I think it is, that uh, OC is back, baby. It is it is good and, and good as gold. And to manage <laughs> my expectations with New York. So that's kind of how I approached it. But, you know, I thought I, I, I liked it. I like this cast so far. I mean, that one chick puked at the party. <laughs> Jessel, who I, you wasn't know I drinking. Saw her. Did you see She her wasn't drinking? She wa- it wasn't from drunkenness. It was from, like, exhaustion or a stomach bug. It truly wasn't from drinking. Oh. Maybe Ozempic. Uh, it does make you feel really nauseated. Um, she had on a beautiful – she had, like, she had on my dream dress. It's this Christopher Kane, like, $10,000 gold <gasps> – uh, like chainmail dress that has like cutouts in it. It was beautiful. I love that dress. I as I was leaving the bathroom, and I was like three sheets to the wind at this point. <laughs> and then she's she was walking toward me, and I could tell something was up because there was like someone like kind of running after her, and her face looked like like she was really oh. unhappy or uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, maybe there's like drama. And then immediately I forgot about it because. I was drunk, (laughs) but she was going to the bathroom, I think, to maybe puke or deal with the puke or whatever. Yeah, I took the elevator down at the end of the night with a few attendees who were also um, post-turtle time, and they were discussing the fact that they were in the room where it happened, but unfortunately it happened in a couple rooms, meaning the bathroom when she got sick again, which is like how deep – I would just be so – mad and angry if I was her to be like and it happened there's nothing you can do when you get sick there's like literally nothing you can do and sometimes it happens at incredibly inopportune times it's just the timing of that is to have it start on the red carpet is throwing up oh my god a hundred percent and and throwing up sober is like 10 times as bad you know because you feel every part of it Yeah, I mean, she kind of she seemed to like recover well in terms of even like her statement or reply back to page six, just being like, let's reset what actually happened, which you kind of need to do, especially when you're a new housewife. But I think everyone kind of received it 
and like a tongue in cheek. I think people like, received yes, it well. Yeah. <laughs> I yes. think that they did. Um, so who was a standout for you during the premiere or from what you've seen or heard about the rest of the season? Is there anybody that really jumped out for you? Um, uh, based on the episode, I, uh, I, all right, let me, I just want to make sure I'm getting all their names right. Jessel's yeah. the chick that puked. Jessel puked. Aaron is the- I know the Jenna w- Lyons. Yep. Aaron is the blonde who's like kind of uptight. Yep. Sai is in Brooklyn. Yep. The Brooklyn girl. Uba is the, was she, Sw- she speaks Swahili. She's the model, lives in Columbus Circle. Okay. And then Bryn is the girl that's like single and doesn't yeah. have kids or anything. Okay. Um, I thought Bryn was fun. <laughs> I thought that um, she like is automatically, and I kind of liked how she and Erin, who looks so much like a Heather to me, it's going to be so hard for me to not call this chick Heather. Um, actually, because she looks like uh, Paul McCartney's ex-wife. Kind of, right? Doesn't oh, she, she actually kind of does. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I, I kind of like that they were able to, like, laugh and joke around after they, like, had that fight. It was good to see. And that was, like, real laughter. So I liked that. Like, that was, like, something that, you know, reminded me of, like, something like Ramona and Sonia would do or something, you know? Or like Jill and Bethany like breaking a chair in some rich person's house. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I came in thinking that like Bryn was going to be a delight. And I don't think I was wrong with that. But I really was surprised by how much Erin just popped out for me where I was like, oh, she's yeah. such a like ball busting, like um, just kind of fucking queen like there's just a vibe to her that's very dry and I think very smart and one could argue may might come across as being dour but like I just was very here for that energy because it also really fits Tribeca so it's like there's a certain coldness to her that I really enjoyed and I was like oh you know what they actually cast really well for some of these energies especially Aaron and Cy like you can tell these are native New Yorkers the way Aaron does not give a fuck is feels very grounded in her reality which I really appreciate yeah yeah I think that uh they did a really great job with the casting because I always thought that what set the New York cast apart the old New York cast apart from any of the other housewives was just their sharpness they're a lot sharper than a lot of the other cities and uh the same goes with this cast, this new cast. I think that they're all like sharp, um, like, uh, you know, just sort of like feet on the ground, not head in the clouds kind of thing. I think that you have to when you live in this city, like you can't you can, there, there's so many different ways you could die if you're not like paying attention oh and on God, the ball. Tracy, you can just walk into traffic, you know, like there's just uh, like you just you can't you have to like be paying attention to life when you live here. So uh, I think they did a great job with that. I think that Jenna is a really nice touch. She told us at the party that she thinks that she's boring this season. Uh, but I like her as a vibe. That's what I said to her. I was like, go girl, give us nothing. Like you think yeah, that right. you're gonna get done, but like someone needs to play that part. Like if that's organic to your personality and you're just 
very dry and maybe not a space cadet, not that at all, but like maybe you just have like potentially a different sense of humor or a different energy, that can be a good thing. Like let's learn from the Caroline Stanberry Accord where everyone decides that the most famous housewife of a seemingly new franchise is going to be the star. And that's not the case. And and if you Mm -hmm. come in thinking that you are and then it doesn't work out in your favor, it really doesn't help you the next season. So I think Jenna, at least owning the fact that like the fit is going to be different than it will be for some of these other women and personalities. It's like, yeah, we would, I would rather Jenna be Jenna than Jenna try to be LVP. You know, I don't think that would go anywhere oh, yeah. fast. Yeah. What's up? She got new teeth, huh? Yeah. So she, I don't know if this, I assume that this is going to be a part of the season, but I know it has been online. She has a medical condition that um, has an impact on her hair and teeth. So I know that a really? part, yeah, no, it's like an incredibly serious um, condition. Her hair's so nice. It, I don't know what she has had, you know, done as a result to cope, but it sounds like an incredibly complicated, um, almost like disorienting condition because she's had major, major, major complications with her teeth. So I think she had something done either prior to the start of filming or something that was done after. Because I remember seeing some sort of like video on her social about her process with her teeth. But I would be really curious for I assume she's going to open up about that over the course of the season. That's certainly something okay. I didn't know about her that I think is really um, interesting. Um And it's also like Jenna Lyons. How many of us, do you have a connection to Jenna? Like, did you feel a certain way or an influence in her, the J. Crew of it all, the Michelle Obama wearing J. Crew on the Tonight Show, the chambray into like pencil skirt magic? Um, Well, I've met her before. Uh, That's how I, she, uh, she came into Viceland. She wanted a TV show. Uh, this is when she was still at J Crew, so this is probably like 2016. It was like right before she let was let go from J Crew, so I think it was like end of end of 2016, beginning of 2017. And um, she really wanted a TV show, so she was like having us pitch TV show ideas, and um, and they were, it was going to be like a branded thing, like a branded show, and J Crew was going to like pay for it, I guess, but um. And then, I mean, we went, we did a lot of work on that. Uh, And then it kind of just went nowhere. But we did have a crazy meeting once where, uh, one of the meetings, uh, it was like our big like presentation day. And um, we had our fucking holiday party the night before. (gasps) And everyone was just so gone. You know what I mean? Like, and it was a Vice holiday party pre-Me Too. It was wild. It was so fun. (laughs) <laughs> there wasn't any rules yet oh my God, and uh <laughs> well i mean it was the those parties fucking it was after me too it was yeah because like i mean you know they weren't like the parties like way way back in the day but it was just a little bit better it was like corporate corporate irresponsibility that was kind of nice to live through um so uh yeah, we. I was so everyone was hungover. I had like this like stain on my arm. I couldn't get off oh because like I had worn garland on me, and it was like hot pink garland, and it like I couldn't get it off me. And 
I mean, I'm sure we all smelled. We did an after party. Like there's an after hours. So it was it was a wild night. Um, and I definitely took mushrooms and stuff, but that doesn't make you hungover. But I was I was trashed. And then but it was one of those things where like I remember when I would have like uh, really important meetings and be hungover for some reason, I would fucking nail it. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, I think, like, my attitude was, like, I don't give a fuck. And people responded well to that. Because, like, I just didn't give a fuck because I, like, wanted to die. But, like, people (laughs) were, like, oh, this girl is really confident. (laughs) So, but I I went up to her at the Rainbow Room and I was, like, Jenna, my name's Tracy. We've met before at the Vice. I worked at Viceland and, you know, we had some meetings. And she's, like, I remember I remember the meeting and like I was like oh shit I thought that we just like came off awesome I didn't realize we all probably (laughs) probably did all come off like a bunch of like wasted idiots (laughs) did she say like it was so great to connect or was she like you were a shit show you were getting more of a shit Um, show energy from her no we immediately like uh took a picture took a selfie right after that uh I was that was at the end of the night and then I was like I have to go I was like too I was like messy and I was like you were like let's talk to Andy and I was like I don't think I can like I don't want I don't want to leave this impression I and so I just left I just left I knew that it was that it was time it was early too I think it wasn't even nine o'clock when I left that was the other part of the night is that it felt like it was extremely late but it was absolutely early all things considered I mean considering New York it's like a dinner reservation at like nine or ten is like just right what happens so the fact that we were wrapping yeah. up at 10 and I thought it was 3 a.m like definitely <sighs> says something about our state of mind Paris is always a good idea and when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives c'est bon c'est bon Chic c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess, n'est-ce pas, Luan? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today.
Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. They're leaving conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. 
Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andesgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andesgirls. Sign up today. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Um, <laughs> I, that is also, I mean, listen, Rainbow Room, an iconic New York uh, location. Location, obviously, at the forefront of the New York City premiere, I could not watch it all the way through because I had to go back and immediately be like, what the fuck were they bleeping? I assume it was Catch. Oh, no, I think it's Indochine. I don't th- I think it was one syllable and began with a C. Oh, and Andy confirmed it today on Radio Andy. Oh, he confirmed that it was Catch? Yeah, apparently. I didn't listen to the episode, but I saw someone else post about it. But I was posting during the premiere last night that I thought it was catch because it was really quick, one syllable. They said it so many times. 
and I was like, what's a dumb, I was trying to think of like, what's a dumb, not But they bougie. kept trying to cut away. They kept cutting away from them. Wait, I didn't even know that catch was still open here. I mean, that's the whole point is, yeah, it's in meatpacking and it's like a dumb spot. I think it's meatpacking. Oh, there's several of them. Yeah, because now there's like catch steak and like catch whatever else. But it is it to me fits not only with like the syllable and everything else, but just like I could imagine someone. This is how wild New Yorkers are is it's like I hear that and I think it's catch. And then I'm like, you know what? That actually does track for me because it's really not about like the food experience and the quality of the meal. It's about the just vibe. And I could see how Sai and Bryn would be like, we're not going to catch. Like it's just of another, it feels like it is of another time. And then I saw Bravo content creators, Real Moms of Bravo, Best of Bravo posting because they went to catch during BravoCon and hmm. ran into tons of Bravo Lebs and said they had a great experience. And what was so funny to me was, I forget which content creator it was, but one of them mentioned they were like, oh yeah, but there were no New York City housewives there during BravoCon. <laughs> and I was like, not Ted. There's a reason for that. It's, I'm sure, a perfectly lovely spot, but it's, it's place in the sassafras scale has you know, it's, it's gone in a different direction than when it used to be kind of a place. Oh, someone said craft. No, it's not craft. It's craft is still a nice restaurant. That doesn't make any sense. It's the, they were talking about on watch what happens. Andy was like, well, athletes still go there. Athletes I'm sure might enjoy a foodie meal, but it's Tom Colicchio. Craft is a lovely, quiet, delicious extremely expensive restaurant in Flatiron that they would not be bitching about attending um okay and there's definitely a difference in energy between like catch and casa cipriani which is members only and where our current new york city mayor goes that's like his we work and like very very exclusive and she 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 so I could understand why they were going to be dicks about not going and then go to their like members only actually extremely bougie location for a nosh. For okay, in Erin's defense, she said it was a last minute thing. It's fucking hard to get a reservation here unless you plan ahead. Like it really isn't especially if you're with a big group of people. You can't just like it really like ever since the pandemic, it really is like you cannot just go to a restaurant like there. Ha- you have to have a reservation. Yeah, I totally agree. And I honestly I remember for my birthday this year, I was like, where the fuck am I going to go? Because I didn't know what kind of energy I wanted. And it was incredibly difficult to get literally a reservation anywhere. And my birthday was on a literal weekday. And that has happened several times since with a certain caliber of restaurant. Like if you want to go get food in New York, you can still have a perfectly fine dinner in any neighborhood, any area, but for like a certain kind of event, especially for a group dinner when there are mm-hmm. six people dining. Yeah, it's a group. Yeah, you have to have a reservation. That's no joke. Yeah, that's no joke. Also, I understood like 
we're not trying to marry catch. We just want to go to dinner there. Like, suck it up. You're filming a TV show. You have like your cast of people. We want to go bond. Like, don't be a dick. Like, don't be elitist. I just totally understood their response of like, I am elitist. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> elitist totally. Said, I don't want to go there. <laughs> it's like well, very new. Why York. couldn't they? Why couldn't they invite the other girls to Cipriani? Well, I think that would probably be difficult to go with a group. I th- I don't know who's a member, but I I also think like they just kind of wanted to be to like kind of scamper off and like be the cool girls. And part of being the cool mm-hmm. girl energy is to assume that maybe not everyone is interested in this kind of cool. It is it is really embarrassing to get left at catch. When everyone else goes to Cipriani. <laughs> I mean, it was four people remain. Oh, no, Jenna wasn't there. So, yeah, it was three people remaining at catch. Did they have cameras? No. Well, I mean, we didn't see it, so they could have. But I don't know that they. I mean, I have no idea. I doubt that there were cameras. Yeah. And I think it's also a more interesting story that they don't have footage. Yeah. I like when that happens because then you can really just like, you know, make up your own mind about it by someone else's telling but uh they must not have had cameras because like there would have had to been like clearance for you know where to shoot and so uh then you would have been beholden to like that place you know totally also um kudos to catch because catch is now much like brass monkey going to be one of these random places that bravo holics are going to go to to take a photo to be like lol i'm a catch (laughs) (laughs) and it's like yeah like they either said we are gonna go because we don't want to be here anymore and then as they're leaving they're like hey do you want to go somewhere else that's cool or they decided to leave them and then go somewhere else that's cool either way it was a dick move a hundred percent one that was like funny to me and very specific I think to New York like that is I mean I absolutely could imagine myself doing that like (laughs) like, I feel like this is a dumb thing I'm gonna say my goodbye and then we'll go somewhere else like doesn't mean it's not rude I just (laughs) don't think it's unrealistic which I appreciate I I like the cheese fight that was that was just dumb enough for me, you know, and it was and it was short. Can you explain to me what the cheese fight was like exactly? Because I got a little confused. I had to watch it a couple times and I was extremely into it. But like, so what was the pro- it was that Bryn was lying about Aaron saying something to Cy about whether or not Cy made fun of Aaron serving cheese. Is that right? So Aaron, Aaron had a charcuterie. It sounds like they were doing a bunch of kind of uh, getting to know each other type get-togethers in the week before filming started and it sounded like this was one of them and uh it was like a charcuterie board and uh Bryn said that Sai said Bryn said that Aaron said that Sai said <laughs> I love this so much this is so good this is so good already it's so good okay yeah <laughs> Bryn said that Aaron said that Sai said, oh, are you only having cheese for dinner? Like, that's weird. And um, Aaron claims that she never said that. Sai claims she never said that. So I actually missed out kind of on like the origins of how that was shown in the beginning. I wasn't like paying close enough attention, but uh, we don't have footage of it. 
and I don't really know who's telling the truth and who's lying. And it originated from Bryn repeating it, I think. Right? Is that yeah. what happened? Yes. Yeah. So- but I think maybe Bryn, maybe Bryn uh, fessed up to kind of uh, embellishing or something. Yeah, although she also seemed to say, I forget if this was on the episode itself or watch what happens, that like she didn't appreciate being called a liar. But it's like, well, I mean, is it lying technically maybe or just like over over narrating what it was that you think occurred? And then obviously per Erin that seemed to piss her off because she said to Bryn, which I love that they included and I love that Erin said this, like, you've chosen an alliance and it's not with me and I'm mad. Like I, I was like, yeah, let's get to this. Episode one, you're saying this. I I fully believe that Erin is genuinely pissed and I appreciate her saying out loud, like, yeah, I feel like you're trying to like put one over on me and I don't appreciate it. Well, I like how they were all like, but I love cheese. I love cheese. What's my... <laughs> <laughs> like it was just so stupid because you know who doesn't like cheese it seems like they all eat cheese right I mean then Sai is making a point of being like look at me eating cheese this thing I lo-. I mean Sai's husband was like you love cheese and the fact that we're talking about whether or not these women that you have to prove your affection for dairy is so funny to me it's like <laughs> so fucking random and And yet I believe that there's genuine confusion and a little bit of a, you know, what the fuck of like, this can't be the thing that's going to bring me down this early in the process. Like, I'm not going to be brought down by cheese. Yeah. (laughs) I bet it was a really good expensive kind of cheese, though, you know. Totally. And you know how I'm sure that we feel that it was because in looking at all of the cast members, homes, apartments, whatever, we only sort of got a quick glance at Uba's. But I mean, Mm -hmm. sweet Christ, like this is what I want to see. I want to see this specific kind of New York City luxury, which costs an awful fucking lot. Yeah. Uh, They, these women, um, they have, I think, a lot more money than the original, original, original New York cast had. Like, the Brooklyn Brownstone is way better. Than Alex McCord's. <laughs> uh, what part of Brooklyn does she live in? Yeah. I don't know. I, have, I really don't know. I forget. I forget if we were told. But um, it's fucking chic AF. I'll tell you that much. Like, yeah. I also was trying to Google Sai's husband to find out what he did for a living that... That he's retired. Um, enabled him to retire at 50. And also the fact that when they were talking on Watch What Happens of who's the richest housewife, people said Jenna, but also Sai. So I'm really genuinely intrigued to know what the fuck David does. Like, I assume it's like maybe something probably in sold. finance. Right. Or he, he could have like been an on- a company or something. Yeah. Like he could be an entrepreneur and like sold something incredible who knows, but I was absolutely here for it. I was surprised by Jessel's. I I honestly don't really die for Jessel. And I was surprised by her, which is good. That's a good thing. I I love that. But I also was like surprised by her apartment because I don't know that she 
realizes she has toddlers or maybe she does and she just wants oh my everything God, with the to white be furniture. Pristine. It's ridiculous to me. It's completely I don't ridiculous. understand how people do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how she I, I would just think that like best case scenario, if your kids aren't like ripping that apartment up. What is that teaching them about like needing to have an absolutely immaculate space? Like does I would think that that would inspire a certain amount of I don't know, like not anxiety, but I just I don't know the idea of being kid friendly. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have toys in every inch of your apartment, but just a feeling that children are welcome here <laughs> to like they, be kids. They probably like, are only allowed to be in the playroom, I bet. And oh. they're still young enough that you can like cage, you can like fence them off. <laughs> True. That's but a it's, good point. When, when they're, when they're a little older, it's going to be way harder, you know, and they're like climbing on the counter to get the snacks themselves and shit like that. That's when um, there's crumbs everywhere and you don't even understand how the crumbs even got there. Like I remember like Una would eat like oatmeal and then later I'd be like, why are there crumbs here from the, from when she <laughs> ate oatmeal? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> And it's from like another chapter in her journey through the course of that day. Yeah, like a kid brings <laughs> with it a lot of different adventures, especially being in New York City, which is just inherently dirty. Like you don't want walking around New York City in the summer is like the grossest, ex- grossest experience you will ever go through because it's just everything is extra fucking gross. But I don't know. There was something about Jessel's energy. And again, like, I'm so glad she's in the cast because I want someone that I think is like kind of a brat. I just felt like, God, she's I feel like she's trying to prove herself and sort of coming across like a little bit again, like a brat. Or maybe that's just who she is and she's embracing it. And God bless. What does her husband do? Couldn't tell you. No idea. Couldn't tell you his name. They have money. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. Appre- I, yeah, and the fact that she's like, I lived in London and I could have stayed there for fashion, but there's only one New York. I was like, go queen, like live your life. Yeah. Love it. But also something about her. I don't know. There's like a not a prickliness because I love prickly, but just something. Um, I don't know. I want to use I hate to say it like I want to use that. And I would love to be wrong. And maybe she's like a total sweetheart. It's also we are literally one episode in. So this is the nice part of just forming opinions that may not be based in reality for the rest of the season. There was something about her. I was like, oof, I don't know that I love you as much as everybody Uh, else. She gives off a sort of um, Jennifer Aiden vibe (gasps) of like really wanting to fit in. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. She Jennifer Aiden is the sale rack version. She's, uh, <laughs> she's going to China rack. for furniture she, version. She's the North. She's the we built a McMansion, but it's literally on top of the highway. <laughs> so In Paramus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does that mean, though, that Jessel that I'll warm up to Jessel? Because I have warmed up to Jen Aiden, I have to say. Yeah, maybe we will. I mean, she did puke and that was cool. That was honestly an iconic move to like literally on on the stuff and repeat and in various other areas. Um, Do you have a sense of like where you think this season is going to go in terms of conflict? There were rumors that something was going to happen, I think, with like Jenna versus the cast about her not wanting to like take a 
commercial flight or like fly in coach or something that becomes a thing. And Tracy's laughing. <laughs> I love it. I lo- those are the kind of fights that I'm like, I love it. Yeah. It's like that's a good fight. Totally. And even though you and I were more fucked up than the cast was at the premiere party, it should be like that. Like, I like that it does. I don't get the sense that we're going to get the sloppiness that became sort of the environment of New York at a certain point, which could also be incredibly entertaining. I think I think let's let's hold off on that because, you know, there's someone's marriage is bound to be destroyed by being on reality TV. So that's I mean, has there ever been a cast that hasn't had a marriage end like during filming? Like, I I don't think there's ever been one. Right. Oh, Um, Dallas. Dallas. I don't even remember who was on Dallas. Yeah, I guess Dallas would be the one. But we no one really cares about Dallas. Yeah, because yeah, no. D.C., Washington, D.C., I think every single couple got divorced or split up. Like, everybody yeah. did. Um, In New Jersey, obviously, we've seen, like, a couple examples, Tree and Joe uh, and Juicy Joe. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Watch What Happens was kind of interesting because they mentioned a couple of the cast members had interactions with Ramona, which didn't go terribly mm-hmm. well. But Uba said that Ramona essentially said, you know, like, are you married? Uba said, I'm not. And she was like, good luck, which or, or I forget what the phrase was, um, bec- essentially saying you're never going to find a man because of joining reality TV, that they are going to run from this. Wow. Well, I mean, maybe that's just what Ramona tells herself is the reason why the men ran from her, you know. But mm-hmm. she told Stasi something totally different. She was like, you should only do reality TV if you're single. Don't do it, married. Don't go back to that show now that you're married. Uh, so maybe she just doesn't want anyone to do reality TV if she's not going to do it. And maybe she also thinks that no relationship is worth salvaging, including one that doesn't yet exist. It sounds like she thinks that, like, once you are on reality TV, you won't be able to survive or find a relationship. I have a question. Please. The girl. So there is they had all right, there's six chicks right on this. Mm-hmm. And they but they had originally cast seven. Right. Mm-hmm. And. So, all right, that girl, I know that she left filming, like, relatively early. Was she on the stage when they brought the women out for BravoCon? In, in a fascinating turn, she was not because it was a Jewish holiday. And while Erin is also Jewish, Lizzie... Uh, was observing the holiday. I forget, honestly, as a Jewish person, what holiday it was. I probably wouldn't have known that it had existed. <laughs> I absolutely did. It was around Halloween, right? It was like in the end of October. Yeah, end of October or November. And I was at the Legends Ball. It wouldn't have, it wasn't like a high holy day. It was something else. High holy yeah. days for Jews yeah. are like a very, very big deal. Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. Uh, yeah. In opposite, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. Those are very, very big deals for um, for practicing Jews. Um, but yeah, the interesting thing is, whatever happened with Lizzie and the cast, I really don't know. I am very appreciative and thankful that the show did not start with that baggage of whatever chaos was happening behind the scenes. I really, 
I don't know what happened. I really, truly, it makes me very uncomfortable. I don't even want to kind of go there and I haven't in past episodes. I'm just thankful that they didn't include that in this because you would have started the season with so much emotional tension and baggage that we we have enough of that on other franchises. <laughs> like yeah. start with the women once Lizzie has departed the show, start with the women, start fresh and don't acknowledge it. Like it's the only way to move forward because there were so much rumors and speculation about what happened and it made me extremely uncomfortable. How, how long was she filming before she left? I think like a couple weeks at most. It was not a long period of time. It wasn't long. Okay. But they, so I guess they just had to scrap any of that. Maybe that's why we don't get to see some things. Maybe that's why they're talking about events that they had. 100%. That could be a huge part of it is that like she's in those scenes, which is, and I think it actually, the fact that we don't see it makes it so much more interesting than we do because flashbacks, which would tell us exactly what happened potentially are going to answer a question. And then what's the fun in that? You know, like better for us to have conversation and be like, first off, this is ridiculous. And number two, we don't actually know. Yeah, exactly. It's discourse. And I think it also for a cast that I assume was maybe feeling a little jittery at the beginning because a lot of these people don't know each other. They understand the pressure that's upon them. Maybe they were able to get all that out in like whatever period of time they were filming before. So now we're meeting them as people who had already been introduced to each other, some of whom had prior relationships. And that to me is like one of the reasons that I appreciated the premiere because it feels like it's off to the races, which I think is good. Yeah. Oh, wait, Aaron, Aaron talked about it today, talked about Lizzie. I didn't know any of these people. I kind of went in blind. I didn't do any research on them before um, the show started. Um, same. I honestly did not know their names until last week. Like, I knew their names, but I didn't necessarily know who was who because there was just so much kind of going on. And I kind of wanted to – that's why I didn't want to um, – it's why I didn't want to uh, kind of get mired in like um, preview clips and everything else because I really yeah. just wanted to watch it um, uh, as it happened. And so just picking up what you just mentioned about um, uh, Aaron talking about Lizzie, it looks like Aaron at the Bravo premiere talked to people about anti-Semitic attacks that Lizzie experienced online. And Aaron said, I'm Israeli. I'm very proud of being Jewish and it's despicable and it is still happening. It shouldn't happen to any group of people at all. Um, She did not say whether she had spoken to Lizzie since Lizzie quit the show and Lizzie hasn't acknowledged the premiere, honestly, understandably so. Um, And it is what it is. It's like I've talked so fucking much about the rise in anti-Semitism. Just think that because there were some other things potentially going on with her exit, it was, I don't think it would have been a complete conversation to focus only on those attacks, which frankly are horrifying. And uh, like, I'm sure she, she got a bunch of shit online. Everyone does, especially like when you, you know, come out, like when you like automatic, like when you have this like, um, sort of burst of fame or whatever this like this rise suddenly in in public interest you're gonna get weirdos and and hate uh but um 
But yeah, I heard that she was being like racist or something behind the scenes and other people were not happy with it, right? Is that what happened? I, I don't want to get into it because I don't actually know what happened, except to say that there was speculation about some sort of intense conversation between Lizzie and Bryn that then escalated with Lizzie and her husband in speaking to production. And I don't know what happened. I also think while, of course, any housewife joining the show has to sort of steel themselves against a certain level of horrifying hate on social, it is quite another to be a Jewish person dealing with anti-Semitic attacks. It's like unacceptable and dangerous and horrifying. And for Lizzie seemingly to have to endure that is terrible. I just also think she is a complicated voice on social and it's not, I don't think, I think the ways that the cast is moving on from this because there are complications around her exit potentially is for the best, which doesn't mean you can't acknowledge anti-Semitism is bad. I'm a literal Jewish person, one of the very, very few Jewish content creators in the Bravo space. So I have talked about anti-Semitism before and how horrifying it is. I've also been uh, the target of anti-Semitic attacks in the Bravo space, um, threats and terrible stuff, including from other content creators. So it's like I've dealt with anti-Semitism, unfortunately, since starting Andy's Girls in the last couple of years. It's gone uh, unbelievably worse. But um, it's it's, it's wild. Yeah, it's it's really sucks. And it's like one of those things where. Uh, I can certainly appreciate this about identities and experiences outside my own. I know that I have been ignorant before because I just truly did not necessarily understand a person's experience, not to say I disagreed with it, but just like a lack of understanding or depth outside of um, experiences other than my own. I think everyone carries with them a certain amount of ignorance. Um, I didn't No, I talked about this actually my mom with my mom who's in town this past week. And um, because I grew up in an environment in Rhode Island, you know, I I went to school in East Greenwich where my family was based, but we moved there from the from Providence, from the Providence area. And we're surrounded by Jewish families, like all of our family friends, essentially the vast, vast majority are Jewish. Even though East Greenwich, where I went to middle school and high school, I was one of very, 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 very few Jews at my high school, which I didn't really think about. Even though, you know, one of my very good friends one day in school was like, you don't look Jewish. Your nose isn't big enough. I was like, "Okay, cool. That's great. And then I moved to New York City, which has a huge Jewish identity, like literally aside from the Jewish community. People are you just like get up in the morning and have a bagel. We're we're using mm. Yiddish as like slang. Right, as slang. And so it's I I think being online has taught me more about anti-Semitism, although I've also experienced anti-Semitism in real life, in person in New York. So it's complicated. Wow. It's complicated. And I I think the Lizzie dynamic is especially complicated. And I feel terrible if she has experienced anti-Semitic attacks and hatred, which I have seen on her social. I've also seen other stuff. So it's like, it's just a complicated situation. I think that the new beginning, the reset was incredibly important. I don't, I don't know that she was the right fit for the cast. 
Well, I mean, if she's orthodox, she's obviously not going to be able to go out on Friday night. Yeah, and I think that there's a way to work around that um, with filming. I think that filming, obviously, there was some sort of communication about the ways that her um, orthodox uh, background would potentially prohibit filming certain things and obviously there Mm -hmm. was an understanding and a respect for that by production otherwise she wouldn't have been cast um I just think that there was some other shit going on I don't know the feeling that I have at the end of the day is like obviously Lizzie was not a good fit for this show as I think she herself would acknowledge and she will go on to do I'm sure other things and I think the cast needs a seventh housewife (laughs) I think that's a season two problem. What is what does Lizzie do? She's a content creator and maybe some sort of fashion something, and she runs some sort of dating something. I, I really have done okay. the least amount of work into looking into the backgrounds of any house right. New York City Same. housewife because I wanted to I wanted to get to know them on the show. I really did. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, so I guess I'm just never going to think about her again. <laughs> That's perfect. I don't think I will either. I think she she was considered at one point for the Dallas reboot. Then the Dallas reboot didn't happen. And then she joined New York. So, um, Wait, is she, oh, she's from Texas. I forget. It's like a whole thing that people and then people freak out if it's like, oh, she moved to Texas and then New York. And it's like, God forbid, you don't know the entirety of what year she moved where when it's people lose their shit. So um I plead honestly ignorance about um the aspect of Lizzie's journey from Texas to New York to Texas to New York again um but you know fellow Hebrews Aaron's on the show and we love to see a little Shabbat Shalom moment with her and her siblings and her parents are her parents still married I don't know were they both there they were both there. Dad came later, which doesn't mean anything necessarily. But also there's the the whole thing with Bryn's tagline of like, if you make me mad, I'll date your dad, which is an iconic, truly iconic historic tagline. I assume reference references Aaron saying that Bryn was flirting with her father, which I I don't know. I would be curious for whether or not Aaron's dad hmm. is signal. He might be. Yeah, maybe they are. Maybe they just the parents just get along still. Have we you seen know? that happen on Housewives before where someone potentially dates <laughs> the parent of another housewife? Would that be breaking ground? Well, George was always like gross. Flirting. Of yeah, his dad. Yeah, trying he was trying. Ugh. Yeah, that was not a good look, honestly. That was so cringe. Um, I mean no no, no. <laughs> Nona was in a committed relationship with that early morning octopus, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I can't I can't think of the parents. Um uh well, I guess Mar- Marge's mom is definitely like putting it out there that she's single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marge's Marge senior is like looking to meet someone, but it's not that she's like meeting any of the housewives' husbands. But I I am yeah. curious for this like dynamic of I think it's just Aaron, but who even knows? Like Aaron saying like Bryn, you're and also in addition to the dad stuff that Bryn is flirting with her husband, which is and then Bryn freaking out, being like, Don't ever accuse me of flirting with someone's husband, but the trailer for the episode includes footage of her flirting with Aaron's husband, which is like 
iconic. That's, that's iconic. And like, I would lose my shit. Like, that's actually what I would be concerned about if I joined oh, the housewives totally. with a husband. I would be like, one of these women is going to flirt with him. And I don't know if I'm secure <laughs> enough for that. Like the reinforcing of boundaries and social norms, especially with Bryn, who's just, I mean, she is an agent of chaos. That's going to be fascinating. Yeah. What, and what does she do for a living? She's a real estate agent and then something else. Cause I remember. Oh, no, Erin like is, but what's yeah. Bryn? Bryn's oh, also. A... Bryn is like something in brand marketing, which could mean literally okay. anything. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, all in all, your kind of verdict on the first episode. I liked it. It was good. I would yeah. give it a seven out of 10. Yeah, I would put it in like the seven to eight territory with a 10 being literally impossible to reach. And you would have to tuck back in, duck back into the archives of like mid-franchise. A 10, it would have to start off like the christening episode of New Jersey. Like it would have to be like (laughs) something (laughs) wild, like something (laughs) that was just out of control. I mean, it does make me kind of want to rewatch the christening episode it does kind of make me want to watch some of those like unbelievably intense wild 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 episodes because I feel like so many of us are in a good mood because New York felt light it felt like a light fresh just kind of like clean just wild very very um uh consistent housewives fights about cheese about Casa Cipriani Mm -hmm. about catch like that's what I look at housewives for where the stakes feel big but they're about these like almost nothing burgers that it would be nice to juxtapose it this week with the New Jersey christening where it's like no these people are out for blood like there's going to be a death at this christening like it's going to be a mess (laughs) with Melissa's old nose one of them yeah the first one it's it's wild to watch those episodes because Joe and Melissa like literally look like different people. Like there's a difference between Joe looks younger now. He does. He looks so much better. They both do. They both look, I think, like sexy AF now. Like they both look yeah. hot, I think, all things considered. I mean, they definitely both had, you know, been working on their bodies and they both worked out and stuff before. But like Joe had that like spray on hair. Yes. The first few seasons that was just oh. so gross. As soon as he shaved his head, he looked like a million times better. 100%. Remember Ohika Castle when they, when the Joes like went to war and were tussling with each other. And then at the end they were like, what's got all it all over the place? Why do I have black all over you? <laughs> Joe Corey is like pretending not to know. And it's like, sweetie, it's because you spray painted the top of your head. Like, I don't, I don't think that's how that's going to happen. I, I think also with New York, it's going to be. A little reset because I do not think the husbands are really going to factor into this at all, expe- except as an object of another housewife's attention, which I'm into right. too. You know, that's really where things should be. I like um, how they very much are like, well, it's girls' night. Well, we're doing a girls' thing because I, I just am into that. And it just really reminds me of season one, New York, when, uh, you know, they were supposed to have a girls' night dinner, and Alex brought Simon. <gasps> if they could get a Simon, that would be incredible. I don't think any of these guys are Simons. 
Oh my God. Do you remember when Ramona had essentially a panic attack about Simon being there and was like, I have to go. And she couldn't remember I why get it. she was leaving. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get it. Like if I was like in for a girl's night, it's you're expecting one kind of thing. And it's so annoying when a girl brings her boyfriend or her husband to girl's night. It's like, we don't, this is, we're not doing this. We were specifically not doing that. Do you think that if Alex and Simon were back on, I don't even know what, because obviously New York is no longer a veil, do you think that they would have that same kind of dynamic with each other where it's, it feels a little codependent? Oh, yeah. You think Absolutely. They would? That's interesting. Because they, um, I mean, I can't imagine it got any better when they moved to a foreign country where Alex didn't know anybody, you know? Um, but she has since uh, gotten her doctorate. And he was go. He went back to grad school too, so she's like a therapist now. Yeah, I think she's a psychologist, and he was studying, I think, to become a lawyer. I believe that oh, could wow. be incorrect. Kim Kardashian. I know, little Kim. I think they're living their best lives, and God bless them. And I guess we'll see a little bit yeah. of her life on Girls Trip. Uh, I'm excited Girls about Trip that. Four. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Um how that is covered and encapsulated. Listen, Tracy Morrissey, what a journey, a new beginning mm. in New York, a continued journey adventure with you on Andy's Girls. Thank you so much. Anything that we didn't, do you have a, like a mazel of the day? Anything from the premiere episode that really just kind of like got your attention or affection or pissed you the fuck off before we skadood? Um, No, I, I took... A half an edible as we started this and it <laughs> is just kicking in now <laughs> so we are wrapping up at the exact right time especially based in my experience with that half edible last fucking week can you tell the ags where they can follow you on social listen to your pod buy your amazing works of art all that and more <laughs> Uh, yeah, I sell shirts and pipes and stuff at pipedreams.fun. I just started selling an Elizabeth Holmes, like kind of like 90s yes. style bootleg shirt. Uh, and I have a, a podcast called Pot Psychology. I recently did a two episode arc. It was a deep dive on um, the parents from the curious case of Natalia Grace. I think oh. they're disgusting. I like I read the mom's book and I did a bunch of like research on them. She is very Munchausen-y and that's all I'll say she there's a lot of stuff in the book that is just it makes a lot of the stuff that that she imposed on Natalia like kind of make more sense you know um but th those people are evil I think uh and um yeah and you can find me on Instagram uh Tracy Morrissey Tracy with an IE I don't I'm not doing Twitter anymore and I'm not really doing threads I, I signed up for it but I don't know if I'm going to really like talk on there. Mm. I think it's like an adjustment for a lot of people, myself included, because I haven't been on Twitter in so long that I'm like, what are words? I never liked Twitter. It was never really like it just got to be this like really ugly place that I was mm. like, no, thanks. I don't need that. I totally understand that. Yeah, I had to bow out at one point because I was like, I hate the person that I feel like I am. <laughs> I'm just even right. reading other people's tweets. It's exactly. so dark and horrifying. Yeah. I just, I would rather live in Instagram it's bad land. Vibes. 
Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, exactly. is bad vibes. It is bad vibes. Um, speaking of good vibes, you can follow me on Instagram and threads at Dame Galley and sign up for the Andy Scrolls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more at patreon.com slash Girls. Listen, to mazel to all of us for the first episode of New York. Congrats to Bravo HQ. I haven't seen this positive mm-hmm. of a response since literally seven days ago when crappy lake premiered so <laughs> just ride this way <laughs> we usually have a lot of critiques and um so far it's nice to see i think not everyone obviously but the majority of people really enjoy something because at the end of the day that's what we want we want to watch these shows right. and enjoy them and have something to discuss and it's exciting as a content creator um, to not know these women and to get to know them. So I'm I'm looking forward to that and to continuing these convos on AG in the weeks to come. On that note, Tracy Morsey, thank you again for coming on AG. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, a pleasure as always. Guys, hope you're all doing okay. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.